Hey, good morning. It is 9.05 a.m. Central Daylight Time here in Sparta, Tennessee. It's December 5th. And uh, today, I, I, I want to wrestle with something in the book of Romans. I, uh, I was reading through Romans 1 and uh, verses 18 through 31, through the end of Romans uh, chapter 1, uh, really caught my attention because some of the things Paul was talking about are so familiar to what we've got going on right now in the America that we live in. And actually, I don't think it's new. I think it's been going on for quite a while. And so today we're going to talk about ignoring God and the downward spiral that it leads to. So let's get started. Hey, thanks for joining me on this Monday morning for Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and we're going to study the Bible live. Listen, uh, the whole idea behind this is to create conversation without condemnation. We're not going to agree on everything, and that's okay. But what we won't do is argue about it. What we're, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into God's Word together. We're going to wrestle with some challenging things because I think that we live in challenging times. And the only way, you know, somebody smarter than me, I, I, I don't, gosh, I wish I recalled who it was. Uh, they said that... Um, Hard times make strong men. Strong men lead to easy times, but easy times lead to weak men, and weak men lead to hard times. Holy golden calf, Moses. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But here's the deal. The reality is we, um, we, we, we live in some challenging times. There are some crazy things going on in the world around us right now. There just, there are, it's okay. It's real. Uh, We've got to do something. We've got to talk about this. We've got to step up. And here's the thing. From a human perspective, we argue a lot about the right way to do things in this world. But it seems, no, it's been my experience that God's way is always the right way. And, and it seems to me that we as a nation, America, have largely ignored God's way for a long time. And uh, now more than ever, I think the words in Romans chapter one uh, should be something that we really take a good, hard look at, because I think that these words that I'm going to dig into this morning have the potential to not only uh, change our perspective, but I, I, I honestly believe they have the potential to change the trajectory of life as we know it, if we're willing to be transformed. And there's the kicker. If we're willing to be transformed by the word of God. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to pull this up and we're going to, we're going to dig on into it. So uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, I'm going to be reading from the message today. Listen, message, New Living Translation, New English Translation, New American Standard, New King James, whatever you're reading, you're fine. Uh, they're all good. So Anyway, without further ado, let's dig in on Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 18. <clears throat> it says this, but God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people put a shroud over truth. But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Let's just stop right there. Okay, I just want to jump on a couple things. So, Paul's talking about, he sent this letter to the church of Rome, right? So he's talking to them. But here's the crazy thing, man. This is like, uh, this is interesting to me. 
So Paul starts this whole letter by saying, hey, I'm Paul. I'm a devoted slave of Jesus. I'm on assignment. So Paul was out on a mission to share the gospel with the Gentiles. He talks about the sacred writings, right? The Old Testament writings that, that, about the, uh, that the prophets wrote, you know, talking about Jesus coming. So he spends a little time on, on the lineage of Jesus. Then he says, and then as he shifts to them, he says, listen, I thank God through Jesus for every one of you. So first things first, Paul is saying, listen, I'm grateful for you, for who you are. I'm grateful that you live. I'm, great, I'm grateful that you're alive. Okay. And Paul, he, he elaborates, he says, <clears throat> that's first. He goes, people everywhere are telling me, they keep telling me about your lives of faith. And every time I hear them, I thank him. So Paul is thanking God that this church in Rome is faithful to Jesus. And I think that is such a cool way to start off a dialogue. And so as we're digging in this morning, I want to say this, I'm thankful to God for you and your desire to dig into God's word and grow closer to Jesus. I, I want to mirror Paul in that because I think that's a great way to encourage people. And so I thank God for you and thank you for joining me uh, as I wrestle through the Bible. Now, Paul gets all the way down to verse 16. He says, it's news. I'm most proud to acclaim this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusted him, starting with the Jews, then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith. Confirming what the scripture has said all along, the person in right standing before God uh, by trusting him really lives. So to experience real life, like Jesus said, right? Life in the full. What do we got to do? We got to trust God. We got to trust Jesus. Okay. But then Paul transitions to that verse 18. But God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over truth. Let's talk about truth for a minute, because this seems to be the biggest area of struggle, not just between followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus. Because it's easy to go, hey, as a Christ follower, I'm looking at this world and I'm going, what kind of idiocy is this out there? Like, what is going on? Even inside the church, we wrestle with what's true, what's not true regarding a lot of things. There are people who will willingly, I'm going to pull my blinds back here so I can get a little sunlight, but there are people who they full well say they are a Christian, right? And uh, yet they're out there supporting things like abortion. Um, there are people that say, I'm a Christian, yet they support that. There are people who say, I'm a Christian, who don't support abortion, yet they will go and uh, scream at people and throw stuff at them uh, rather than trying to restore, redeem, and, and help them you know, uh, come to know Christ. They would instead condemn them and scream, you're going to hell, and mistreat them. Well, that also doesn't look like Jesus. But here's the crazy thing. In Paul's letter to the church in Rome, let's let's think about what Rome was doing to Christians, right? There's Roman candles, our 4th of July fun, come from, um, maybe was it Nero? One of the Roman leaders, uh, lighting Christians on fire, putting them in like cages and stuff, lighting them on fire to light the streets, using them as human candles. It's horrifying, right? But it's interesting that Paul doesn't talk about that so much. What instead he says is 
God's angry displeasure erupts as human mistrust, wrongdoing, and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over the truth. Well, let's, what truth is he talking about? The truth of who God is, who Jesus is, and what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to rescue and restore humanity after the fall, right? And so Paul's saying God's upset. But then he goes on to say this, but the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of his divine being. So nobody has good excuse. Let's, let's, let's meditate on that for a minute. See, Paul right here in the book of Romans, and we're in verses 18 to 23, Paul is saying, look, if you look around you, there is enough in this world, there's enough in this world to recognize that this was created by a divine being. And if you think about it in, in 2022 here, I think I might have said 2021 or other. In 2022, if you think about it, like there are all these people that talk about source when they refer to God. Or they talk about the universe, right? Well, the universe this and the universe that. Well, who made the universe, Jack? Like, come on, just stop for a minute and think. Right? We can't say nothing came out of nothing. It doesn't make sense to say that nothing came from nothing. Nothing has to come from something, right? See, we have this mindset that when we think of ex nihilo, uh, we think, you know, uh, we think of it uh, in the science community, not that I am a scientist, but I mean humanity does, in the scientific community is like, there was nothing and then there was this bang. Well, who created the stuff that made the bang? See, God with a word fashioned life out of nothing, right? But it really didn't come from nothing it came from there was an empty void that that needed filling and it came from someone and paul it seems like as he's writing this letter to the church of rome he's saying look people recognize there's something bigger than them right and in 2022 in america we recognize there's something bigger than us even even people who say well i'm not religious or i don't go to church what boy when something's going bad they're like hey send send some happy thoughts well what good are happy thoughts gonna do if there's no one supernatural to intervene what good is a happy thought gonna do oh well think about happy stuff while my life is collapsing and it's total trash hey i'm losing a family member to cancer think some happy thoughts what are those happy thoughts going to do? Now, the person with cancer can think happy thoughts because our brain, the way it works, right, is is uh, there There are scientific studies, too, that show like the positivity belief that good things are coming helps bring healing in the body. So maybe the person with cancer needs a happy thought. But you and I having happy thoughts over here on the other side of the country, no, no, we wouldn't be happy because someone has cancer. And that is that disease that the rough and horrible things of this world are a result of a fallen world. We were never supposed to have disease and, and or famine or death. Like we weren't supposed to have those things. And yes, as followers of Jesus, we know that when we die here, we're, you know, absent of this body, we are present with the Lord, our spirit, our soul. We go to be with God, but 
But when people are like, you know, thoughts, thoughts and prayers, 90% of that's crap. They're not praying for anybody. They just reply to a Facebook post. Some, some people do, but look, come on. Like if we're going to grow in our faith, let's be honest. Let's look at this letter from Paul to the church of Rome. And let's look at our world today. When we open our eyes and look around, there it is. If we take a long and thoughtful look at what God's created, we can see and know that there's something so much bigger than us. And Paul says this, what happened was this, people knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. Oh, come on. Does this sound like anything to you? Maybe America? Look at this. Can, can, you, can we just look? I'm just going to zoom in. Can you look? People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. How many people do you know who say, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where it's headed. I'm struggling. I don't have a plan. I feel lost in this world. See, maybe a lot of the pain and the, the suffering that people are going through, maybe these the gender identity crises that people are facing, right? Gender dysphoria, maybe the mental health and mental illness issues that a lot of people are experiencing. What if a lot of that is the result of the fact that we've been refusing to acknowledge, recognize, and worship God for who he is? But if Paul's right, that we have trivialized ourselves into a silliness and a confusion, and we've lost our sense of direction. Paul says they pretended to know it all. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds a whole world, whole world in his hands, for cheap figurines anyone could buy in a roadside stand. So as Paul is talking here, it reminds me of when Moses went up. Right. Uh, and he, he was coming down with the Ten Commandments and there's Aaron with all the people who were like, oh, he's been gone too long and we can't go check on him because God will kill us. So hurry, here's some gold melted into stuff. And of course, the best they could come up with was a golden cow because you want to worship a cow. Jiminy crispers. But it sounds like us today, doesn't it? We trade worshiping God and the glory of God. We trade that in instead for the worship of Kim Kardashian or Kanye West or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or some stupid, some politician, some celebrity or <clears throat> the house we want to buy or the cool car that we want or the cool car that we have. We, we worship things today. We have put things and stuff and people of this earth before God. I see quote unquote Christians who are so enamored with a pastor that when the pastor falls, their faith falls. I've experienced that personally because I've been that Christian where when I came to faith in my late twenties, no mid twenties, early twenties. Well, uh, when I came to faith in my early twenties, I quickly became friends with the pastor of the little church plant that I was going to. And he quickly became my best friend in the whole world. Still love him to death. We don't talk, but like I have a spot in my heart and always will love him for leading me to the Lord. 
in spite of me walking away for years later, I knew where to come home because of who he introduced me to in the first place, which was God. But in the beginning of my relationship and my walk, then I looked at my pastor, who then was my best friend. I was like, this guy can do no wrong. This guy's the ticket. This guy's the ticket to Jesus. Almost like Catholics look at a priest as their ticket to Jesus. And the problem is, I was trading the glory of God who holds a whole world in his hands for a knockoff, a person, a human. And then later I would trade God's glory in for a lifestyle of money, wealth, traveling around, trying to, trying to build up fame and build a name. But here's what I love about God. God gives us the freedom to do that, not celebrate us doing that. But he gives us the freedom to make bad choices. And Paul actually addresses that. So let's take a look right here. Verse 24 and 25, Paul says this. Well, here, we'll back up to the one before. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. So God, in effect, <clears throat> God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. And it wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God, and they worshiped the God they made instead of the God who made them. Let's say that again. Instead of the God who made them, the God we bless, the God who blesses us, oh yes. Worse followed, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. And this is going to rub a bunch of people the wrong way, but listen. We're, we're reading the scriptures, whether you're uncomfortable or not. Worse followed, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men, all lust, no love. And they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love. Godless and loveless wretches. Whew. Paul is, is, is bringing some harsh words here. I want to focus on this section right here, though, because I think this speaks very much into the, um, the world that we live in today, the America we live in today, and there are things that people get upset about. So <clears throat> and this isn't a disclaimer. This is just me saying we're, we're going to get real on what I'm about to dig in on. And here's the thing. You may not agree with it, and I, uh, I, it doesn't matter. And even if I didn't agree with it, which I, I don't think God is ever wrong. I, I recognize that God inspired these writings and that from God to the writer, I think the divine inspiration is there. I think that there are many translators from different versions of the Bible throughout the years, right? We've got scrolls that have been lost for hundreds of years, thousands of years. And then they've been translated from one language to another, to another, to another, the best the translators could. But here's what I believe. <clears throat> I believe God's word is divine. I believe that his inspiration was divine to the writer, Paul, of this letter. I believe that God inspired him to write it. I don't believe the human beings that translate things are divine. I believe that they can make errors in translations. But I believe that God's word will come through in spite of their imperfections. Because I believe that if God wanted us to hear, read, experience his divine word, that Holy Spirit will help us understand it in spite of any translatory or translative, uh, whatever the word would be, I think translative errors that could be made. 
because I, I know that's one big argument a lot of people have. It's like, well, yeah, but it's been translated, you know, we've got from Hebrew to, to Greek or and Greek and Aramaic and that to, to you know, Middle Earth language and King, King James days. And it's like, okay, well, people are actually going back to the original languages as they're translating to modern English. They're not translating it off the King James. But, but even then, right, like there are people who will, many scholars who will argue over different phrases in the Greek or the Hebrew, in this case, Greek, if we're uh, reading Romans. So I, I, I preface all of that to say this. In spite of the fact that it's gone through so many human hands, I believe that we have a God who is so perfect, so powerful, that his Holy Spirit lives within us and will will bring understanding even if there were any mistranslations. Now, that being said, I think it is very straightforward and black and white what we just read and what we're about to read again. Now, this does not mean that God doesn't want the folks referred to here to repent and come home. It doesn't mean God doesn't love them. Paul is pointing out the behavior of humans toward God and how humanity is disregarding God's word in our lifestyle choices. He was pointing out what was happening in Rome and it is happening still today, but even on a larger scale, a more grand scale. So let's do this again. So first we read that Paul says, the world traded in God's truth, basically for their truth, right? I'm going to trade in, uh, there is no the truth, it's my truth. Well, it's not your truth, Margo. There's the truth, God's truth. That's the truth. But God says, look, if you want to do your own thing, you can. If that's what you want, that's what you get. So humanity was doing its own thing. They traded God in for for their own, you know, sideshow circus freak versions of god there's make up a god oh i'm gonna worship a ouija board i'm gonna flip cards with drawings on them whatever it's jacked up but god gives you the freedom to do whatever we want we want he gave me the freedom to be stupid go off for six and a half years and act like a complete goon but here's this god says that's what you want that's what you get yada 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 verse 26 worse followed refusing to know god and this is where it begins refusing to know God. Doesn't say they didn't have an opportunity. Doesn't say because they couldn't find God. Paul says refusing to know God. It's like a conscious choice was made to say, I I don't want to know God. And there's many reasons we don't, because if we actually acknowledge that we know God, then we know we're living apart from him. But I digress. Here we go. He said they soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men sexually confused they abuse and defiled one another look we just saw a huge thing all over social media that the the mainstream media has suppressed hasn't even talked about it all it's so weak it's pathetic but balenciaga was using pictures of children holding teddy bears in bondage gear with little easter egg hidden nuggets of things about pedophilia in the photos people convicted of sex crimes against children things like that that's what's going on in this world so People are sexually confused. They're abusing and defiling one another. Pedophilic behavior is disgusting. It's horrible. It's abuse to children. Yet we have a whole slew of people trying to rebrand and rephrase this as something called their, no, don't call them pedophiles. Call them minor attracted persons. No. The scriptures even tell us somebody who leads a child astray, they, what's coming to them, it, they would much rather have a rope tied around their neck and be drowned. 
That would be more pleasurable to somebody than the punishment they get for hurting a child. See, we live in this world and we've got people going, well, you know, I just, I don't want to judge. I don't want to cast judgment on a minor attractive person. Yes. The Bible doesn't say don't judge. It says, uh, take the log out of your own eye before you judge. If you're somebody who recognizes that you don't hurt children, it's okay to judge that it's not okay to hurt children. Paul was talking about this thousands of years ago that human beings didn't know how to behave like they were created to. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Man, it's 2022. Look at what's going on. It's heartbreaking. There are men who are saying, uh, I, I was not supposed to be a man. And then they, they cut off their junk. And then later they want it back, but you never can get it back the right way. Suicide rates are higher than ever among the, the community of people who have done these surgeries to try and transition into a gender that they aren't. It's heartbreaking. You have tampon ads using men with beards who are dressed as women to do tampon commercials. There's an interview with some bearded man who pretends to be a lady with Ulta who was talking about how he can be a mom. No, you can't, bro. You can adopt a child. You can love on a child. You can do that. But you're a dad dressed as a woman. What you're going to do is stigmatize and damage that child the rest of their life. You can never be a mom if you're a man. You can love a child. You can fill in the blank if you've lost a spouse. But if you're a man, you're a man. But this isn't new. See, we look at the stuff going on today and we're like, this is crazy. Never before has this happened. Yes, it has. Thousands of years ago. People were sexually confused then. And it's interesting that Paul says sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another. See, because out of sexual confusion leads frustration. Out of frustration leads hurt. Frustration leads to hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And even in the days that Paul wrote this letter to the church of Rome, he was saying, listen, there is a problem. People don't know how to live toward one another men and women are confused and what are they doing the way paul were the way the message paraphrase words that it says all lust no love now i'm going to flip the script real quick to the um, new english translation we'll flip to the net and get a more traditional reading here for you because i want to show you this okay um let's look at verse 26 <clears throat> okay Verse, actually, let's go to verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over the desires in their heart to impurity, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Gave them over means allowed them to do it, right? He turned them over to whatever they wanted to do and said for their women exchanged the natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Let's look at this footnote. For their females exchange a natural function for that which is contrary to nature. Okay, this talks about sexual relations. It says, and likewise, men also abandon natural relations with women. Okay, they were abandoning natural function of the female is like the literal wording. And were inflamed in their passions for one another, which means burned with intense desire. So what Paul is saying here, is God gave gave people free will and he allows them to go run the direction they want to go. But here's the crazy thing. It says as soon as he as soon as humanity realized that they're free to do what they wanted, women were with women, men were with men. 
And Paul is saying, and it's not natural. Now, this is going to offend some people, but this seems to me to point out no one is born gay. But as a matter of fact, no one is born with any type of lustful thought. Because people go, babies are born heterosexual. Well, no, they're, they're not born with any sexual desire. Actually, when a baby comes out, it's hungry. It's cold. It wants comfort. It wants love. It wants to be cared for. But it doesn't even understand love. What it understands is hungry, selfish, feed me. I don't want to die, right? Because God wired our bodies to, to say, I want to survive. So a baby doesn't come out straight or gay. A baby comes out a baby. But God's intention for us was for man to be with woman, woman to be with man. That was God's intention, which means that's the correct intention. Now, you might be offended by this. And I've got friends who are homosexual. And I actually got family members who are. I love them. I'm not perfect. I have sinful choices. I don't affirm their choices. I don't say, well, that's cool. That's good. It obviously goes against what God wants. That's not going to make me stop loving them. And also, I'm not going to pound them on the head with the Bible if they don't want to listen. I have to trust that God's spirit will work in them. I have to trust that God's grace is enough. But we can't pretend like th there's this fine line that Christians have been walking um I would say maybe it's the mid 2000s and, and it's gotten progressively worse is that in our desire to show that we love someone rather than saying, listen, I love you no matter what, but that doesn't change what God says. Like if you're asking me about your lifestyle choices, I'm telling you, God doesn't, God says it's not cool. Hard stop. But it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I'm not here for you. It doesn't mean I'm not your friend. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God's not here for you. But what it means is, we all need to look in a mirror and examine ourselves. And the mirror that we need to look into is the scripture. And if we really take a true look at the scripture, we, we will walk away changed, not unchanged. At the very least, we will acknowledge that the life choice we are making is in opposition to God and that we need to find change. If we truly want to follow God, we will acknowledge it. Now, some people truly don't want to. And I think Paul is kind of making that point here in his letter. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what should not be done. So God, God, God said, you want to run rampant? You want to do you? You do you, boo. But consequences come with your choices consequences come with our choices and they still do today verse 29 we're still reading out of the new english translation now it says they are filled with every kind of unrighteousness wickedness covetous malice they are rife with envy murder strife deceit hostility they are gossips slanderers haters of god insolent arrogant boastful contrivers of all sorts of evil disobedient to parents senseless covenant breakers heartless ruthless although they fully know god's righteous decree that those who practice these things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they approve of those who practice them. Whoa. Let me just read that last part again, because this is interesting. Paul doesn't say they should be killed by humans. Paul doesn't say we need to go kill them. We need, Paul doesn't say we need to go do this. What Paul says is according to the scriptures, he's referring to the Hebrew scriptures, that the type of behavior that, that folks are engaging in 
is the type that literally, according to Jewish law, would result in death, right? Being stoned to death, right? Adultery, stuff like that. So Paul is saying, all these people are doing this. They're breaking the covenant God made with them. They're they're behaving this way, knowing full well that they deserve death for it. And he says, they don't just do it, but they also approve of those who do it. So what do we learn from this today? Here's, here's what I, I'm picking up, okay? And I, I, don't, I don't know what you're picking up. But, ooh, we got a comment here. Hey, I want to offer promotion on your channel. No, go away. Stop it. Beat it. Stop spamming. That's gross. Spam is gross. Here's the deal. Um, here's what I pick up from today's scripture. We live in a world that is choosing to worship everything but God. From our, we, we worship everything from ourselves to our money, to our toys, to our iPhones, to our Teslas, to our, to our politicians, to our celebrities, and none of those should be worshipped. Only God should. But I take from this too that God, God loves us, and God is not going to make us do what we don't want to do. He's not going to force us to love him because you can't force someone to love you. That's what an abusive spouse or abusive parent you will love me as they beat you into submission that's not love that is abuse and god is not an abuser but we're abusing ourselves and we're abusing each other in the choices that we're making right now god gives us the freedom to live how we want but being free to live how we want doesn't doesn't free us from consequence Look, if you believe God's word is true, if you are a follower of Jesus, then when you read the scripture, you can't help but look at the world and say, yeah, just look at America and go, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of confusion. There are men that think that they're not men. There are women that think there are not women. There are men who identify that they are a man. They realize it, they recognize it, and then they can, they, they have sex with other men. Women have sex with other women. The Bible tells us we're not supposed to. Now, the Bible doesn't say go hate that person. The Bible doesn't say that that person uh, isn't, isn't somebody who God loves. God loves it, everyone. God, it's, it's his will that all would repent and be restored and redeemed. But I find it very interesting that Paul, as he, as he wraps this, he goes, they don't just do these things, but they also approve of those who practice them. And I think this is where we, we as Christians, we have to, we have to stop for a minute because I, I like the, the message I think puts it a good way. It says they keep inventing new ways of wrecking their lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way, stupid, slimy, cruel, cold blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well that they're spitting in God's face and they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things the best. See, Paul's saying this. He said, look, it's bad enough that you're struggling with that sin. It's bad enough that somebody's already struggling. But instead of doing what we're supposed to do, which is point people back the right direction, instead of saying, I love you, you need to turn and go this way. Christians are going, I love you, so I affirm who you choose to be. And we aren't loving people if we're encouraging them to keep moving away from God. 
We're not being loving if we encourage someone to continue in a lifestyle and a behavior that goes against God. Now, here's the deal. I'm not telling you to go insert yourself into something. You see two people that are gay walking down the street. You don't run you run up to them and be like, oh, my God. Like, they didn't invite you into a conversation or ask about it. It's not your place. If, if they don't believe in God, uh, that's, a, that's a whole different story. But it's like I had a friend one time that asked me, like, hey, what, you know, what do you think? I mean, you go to church and I'm gay. And I was like, it doesn't matter what I think. Are you asking me what I think or are you asking me what the Bible says? So what I think is I love you anyway. You're my friend. But if you ask me what the Bible says, the Bible says God's not happy about the lifestyle choice you make. So there's where we're at. If you desire to follow God and you want to have a conversation about that, that's one thing. If you're not following God, what does it matter to you? Does it matter what I think? Why do you care what anybody thinks? See, but I think that people ask those questions because deep down inside, there's something, you know, God's spirit whispering to them saying, hey, you know how I want you to live. I know you've made choices that you think have backed you into a corner that you can't get out of. Maybe you've, maybe you've, you know, you've committed to some, somebody in a same sex relationship and you've gone and gotten married because, you know, the state you live in says, hey, cool, here you go. And now you're like going, but now I've, I've started to learn who this God is. And I, and I think I, I shouldn't have done this. What do I do? Because the Bible says God hates divorce. Well, God doesn't recognize this can offend some people. But if God is saying that he doesn't want a relationship to exist, then he doesn't recognize your marriage anyway. And that may not make you happy to hear. And you can be mad that I said it. But show me in the scripture where God would affirm it. And I'll, I'll relook, but I just don't see it. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you because he does. It doesn't mean he doesn't love the, your partner because he does. The choices we make in our life are what honor or dishonor God. If you're in a relationship, by the way, and, and Paul's talking about not just homosexuality. He's also talking about like just wild, rampant sexual immorality. Anyway, I, I spent a lot of time in the homosexual part of it because I feel like, like I still feel a need to like sometimes tap dance around it just because I, I don't want someone to tune out and think that they're not loved. Right. Just because your lifestyle choice is sinful and it's not good. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you. He just wants you to change and come back home, change the way you live it. Right. But he wanted that out of me too. Not too many years ago, when I was promiscuous, sleeping around, making a complete fool of myself with my behavior. My behavior didn't honor God in any way, shape, or form. And thankfully, only by God's grace, I wasn't walking around and people didn't realize the experience that I had in my knowledge and uh, experience in getting ordained years before. Because if, if so, they would have looked at me and been like, you hypocrite. You know, how, how can you know and believe this, but then live this way? But the reality is I didn't want anybody to know what I believe because I knew that meant I had to look in the mirror and realize that the lifestyle I was choosing was not a good one. I was doing damage to myself, my life, my children, by my choices. I was setting a horrible life example for them. 
and everybody that I was hanging out with, I was setting a horrible example for them too. See, it's not just about gay or straight because if you're straight and you're, you're living with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or you're just hooking up, you're sleeping with them. That doesn't make God any happier. Doesn't, but God still loves you too. So here's the deal. Whatever it is that we're struggling with, whatever it is that you're dealing with, the reality is we are in a downward spiral in this world and we are in it as a result of ignoring God. Ignoring God's way is what leads us into trouble. Now the question is this, what do you want with your life? Do you want an abundant life? Do you want a full life? Or do you want a life where you got to keep hiding? You got to keep making excuses. Do you want to live a life where you have to try and convince yourself that the creator of the universe hates you because he doesn't god loves you man he does god loves you no matter what choices you've made and maybe you've got it it is it's is so heartbreaking to me to see all this stuff going on with i i keep seeing story after story of people who have uh felt like they were trapped in the wrong body and they they had surgery to try and transition into a gender that they're not because it's completely impossible. And then they detransition. And then that whole community that was so loving and welcoming to them had just burned them. And I know there are some people who they've done everything they can. They're like just trying their best to hold it together. Parents who have children that have gone through feelings like this and gone through surgeries or hormone stuff. I have friends who are single who I've just been jumping from bed to bed to bed, trying to find validation from someone else's body. And I know what that feels like because I've been there too. And it's never a good feeling when it's done. Because then when you get in your car to go home or you get up and look in the mirror and you look at who you are, you realize that you're not who you're supposed to be. But I want to encourage you, even though Paul's letter to the Romans had so much harsh wording, it's there for a reason, because it's not too late to read those words and let it change our hearts. No matter what you've done, you're not too far from God. No matter what you've done, God will never stop loving you. He'll never stop reaching out and saying, take my hand and come home eventually we just have to make a choice to do that and can i can i tell you from personal experience one thing before i wrap up the longer you wait the harder it gets the longer you wait the harder it gets you're going to start finding reason after reason why you can't and ultimately the hardest one is you feel like a hypocrite so you're like i can't make this life change. I can't go, go be a Christian after all the stuff that I said about these stupid Christians and how they act. Like I can't do that. That would make me a hypocrite. No, it would make you a person whose life has changed. See, Jesus didn't call us to go be Christians and have a personal relationship with him. As a matter of fact, the personal relationship with Jesus is never, that those words are not in the scriptures anywhere. There's nothing that say, nothing that says that, that you need to go and have this personal relationship. And that's what being a Christian is about. As a matter of fact, no, Jesus own words were this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. 
Go and make disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, your job is to help other people learn about Jesus. The best way to do that is living a life that shows that you're trying to learn about Jesus and be like him. Are you going to? Are you going to do it? There's the question. I hope you'll say yes to that. If you've never taken the time to say, I want to give my life over to Jesus and be like him, I, I hope you make today that day, my friend. Listen, I know it's a long one this Monday, but gosh, I just this spoke to my heart. Man, the world's a mess. If you jumped in late, read Romans chapter uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 18 through the end, uh, and, and go back. Would love to hear your comments, but listen, God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on him, okay? Love you guys. Appreciate you. And uh, see you tomorrow morning. Ooh, ah.